0: hello and welcome to our time around scripture today i'm very glad you're with us on this july fourth weekend in the setting where i am today right now it's raining and uh not always the best day for taping a message but on the other hand it's beautiful indeed and i'm thinking you know on this july fourth weekend the rain is a great metaphor for us as a nation if there was ever a time when we needed the blessing rain of god to come down this is it right now so my prayer as we spend some time around scripture is that this rain in this setting would remind us of the places where we need God to rain down upon our nation in justice and in mercy, in grace and blessing. We'll think about that as we spend some time together today. And I'd you to take your Bible and turn to John chapter 15, and we'll be read there in just a few moments, and uh, while you're looking for John 15, just something that's come across uh, my life in recent days. A couple years ago, the congregation, uh, we um, bought a house behind the church's parking lot. We're in the habit of doing that from time to time. If that house comes available, it's the right price, and it's reasonable for us to think about having that space in the days ahead. Years ago, that home had been owned by a woman who was an expert gardener, and she died probably more than two decades ago now. And in the time between then and the next owner who came along, the house fell into repair, in disrepair, pardon me, And the homeowner didn't keep it up, and neither did she keep up the gardens that had been so lovingly planted by the previous owner. And so when we took over the house, um, it became apparent very quickly that the best we could do would be to just simply tear the house down, bulldoze everything, and give the ground a place to start over. And so that's what we did. Took the house down and uh, flattened all the land out and planted seed, and it's a lovely green space right now. But what's interesting is that in this year, as we we came to the spring, those plants that we had more or less covered over, a lot of them began to push through and show, hey, you may have done some things here, but we were planted here years ago, and we're going to win the day. In the midst of that, watching that take place on that lot over the last few months, I had a thought come to mind. Leslie and I have a bare spot in our backyard. It's under a couple of trees, and it never gets any sunshine, and so it's, you can't grow grass back there. It's a difficult spot, and just the dirt's there. And so I thought, oh, I know what we can do. We went down to the empty lot, and we went under some of the shade trees that are there, and took some of those shade perennials and um, dug up portions of them. And we've done this on other occasions before for our front yard. But here we are starting a new yard, a new garden in the backyard. and. Um, we took those plants out or portions of those plants and put them in plastic bags and carted them up to our house and I'd already prepared the soil and put down new soil and, and uh, uh, barrier, barrier cloth and all that sort of stuff. And when I pulled those plants out of the uh, plastic bags, they'd already gone limp within the context of less than an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And you think, man, are these going to survive? I've done this before so you know what to expect put them in, gave them lots of water, and those shaved perennials, within a few hours, were standing up and saying, we're ready to grow in this new spot. We're ready to take on this new soil and this new area that you've given us some breathing space and uh, the roots are digging down, looking for nourishment. I tied them all up and got them standing up and they're going to be beautiful in the days ahead. You know, there's a lesson I learned about perennial plants many years ago, the first year they sleep the second year they creep and the third year they leap. So they're sleeping this year, but they'll creep and they'll leap in the days to come. Why? Because somebody prepared the soil and did it correctly and here's my understanding of that process. The key to getting plants to grow is care and attention and good planting and somebody has to take care. Somebody has to be responsible for making certain that it's done correctly and cut at the right moment and prop them up at the right moment and cause them to bloom at the right moment. And that's what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 15. Would you read with me where Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch and bee that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If someone remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If if anyone does not remain in me, that person's like a branch that is thrown away and withers, such branches are picked up, thrown away into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And this is to my Father's glory. Why? Why all this pruning and shaping and, you know, working with the plants? This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So there's the setting for today's sermon. And Pastor Brian's going to carry it to the end and carry us to the finish line from this point on.
1: Well, Pastor Wayne ended where I want to pick up, because we start with... Why? We don't start with how, we start with why. As Pastor Wayne said in verse 8, he says that the why behind all of this, our purpose, is that it says, Jesus says, "...it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself, showing the world to be my disciples, to show the world that you are my disciples. That is why that is our mission, that as we remain connected to the vine, connected to Jesus, that in doing so, we are showing the world a connection to Jesus. And so we exist to connect to Jesus as we connect others to Jesus. That's our why, that's our purpose. Uh, And behind every why, we also know there is a how. And so how do we live out that purpose? How do we, as it says in verse four, how do we remain in him as he remains in you? How do we remain connected to Jesus as we connect others to Jesus? Well, Jesus shows us kind of like the plants in Wayne's yard. We got to figure out how do we get out of the plastic bag and into the rich soil, uh, the richness of the spiritual and life nutrients that we need, as Jesus says, to quote, bear fruit. And so the first thing we need to do is, well, we need to, you could say, decide on Jesus. We have to make a decision about whether or not we are going to be initially connected to the vine. In verse 2, we really see the results of not choosing to be connected to the vine, to not be connected to Jesus in our life. He says it this way. He says that the Father, in verse 2, he says, "...he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit." And then in verse six, he elaborates. He says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. And so the context of Jesus teaching here when he first taught it 2000 years ago is actually he's teaching his original 12 disciples. And the cut off branch in this setting, he's really speaking specifically here to Judas. He's speaking to the one who would reject Jesus as demonstrated ultimately by his betrayal, his you know, basically selling out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver to what would be Jesus' execution. And so the reality for us is that you could say there is no in-between. Either you receive Jesus or you don't. You either accept Jesus as the son of the living God. You receive him as your savior, the forgiver of your sin, and the Lord, the leader of your life, or you don't. You reject him. You are uh, choosing to separate yourself from him, both in this life, to be separated from that vine, both in this life and for all of eternity. And so I would say right out of the gate that if you are yet to say yes to a connection to the vine, a connection to Jesus, both in this life and for all of eternity, well, then you can start that conversation, believe it or not, right now. Uh, And the way to do that actually is to to send a text, to send a text uh, to me that I'll get uh, at our church phone number, just text the word Jesus. And that says to me, you wanna start this conversation about saying yes to being connected to him, both here and into all of eternity. It's been exciting to see people make that text and the life uh, change, the eternal changes that are happening in people's lives because they're starting that relationship with Jesus, starting that conversation and all that it implies. And so that's the first thing we needed to do, we need to decide on Jesus. And then from there, for really all of us who have made that decision, either maybe now or at a previous point, you wanna ask, okay, I understand that we initially connect to the vine, we initially connect to a relationship with God in Jesus Christ, but how do we take that, you could say that initial yes to Jesus and make it a, I would say a daily yes to Jesus. How do we say yes every day? And so secondly, you could say that in order to connect to Jesus as we connect others to Jesus, the second thing we need to do according to God's word is actually remain in God's word. We need to remain in God's word in order to remain in Jesus and have him remain in us. It says it this way in verse three, after he's already identified Judas and those who will reject him, really to the other 11 and then those who come after, he says that you are, he says it this way, he says you are already Clean. You are really, you have made that initial decision. You are already connected to me. You're a follower of me. And he says, he goes on, he says, because of the word, because of the word I have spoken to you, because of the word of Jesus, that the word is Jesus, as it says in the beginning of the Gospel of John, that uh, John 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God, that Jesus really is the word. He is the expression of everything God is in the flesh here on earth, that Jesus is the word and thus quite practically, he is the author behind every word in the word of God. And so in order to remain connected to Jesus, to connect others to Jesus, we must remain connected to Jesus' word. A number of years ago, our congregation, we participated in a, a nationwide study called the, uh, the Spiritual Life Survey or the Spiritual Life Study. And this study, what it did, it set out to identify what it is that actually, you could say beyond our assumptions, what is it that actually Uh, when it came to spiritual practices and engagements and things we could do, what is it that actually increased, most increased our connection to Jesus, our connection to the vine? What spiritual practice uh, most grows us into um, a healthy and maturing relationship with God? And what was interesting was that the number one result of what grows us most in our relationship to God through Jesus, Uh, the number one spiritual practice actually was 100% more than its second place forerunner. There was more than double that of the second place one. And that number one way in which we connect and grow to Jesus across all stages of the spiritual life, it recognized everyone who was new to Christ all the way to those who have been walking with him for a long time. Number one was, it said, reflection on scripture. Really, we said that uh, as Christians around the country, that reflection on scripture was the number one lead indicator in growing in our, you could say, our connection to the vine, our connection to Jesus uh, by being regularly, uh, really preferably daily engaged with the words of God through the word of God. And so, I don't know how to say this. Really, this, it's important to realize that throughout essentially all of scripture, For you, you're going to see this throughout scripture, you'll see it in your life, that when when the people of God are disconnected from the word of God, they end up disconnected from God. That when people of God, and that's true of us now as it was back then, when the people of God are not connected to the word of God, we find ourselves drifting into a disconnection from God. And so you have to look at your own life, that you who are already clean, as it says in verse 3, that you've accepted Jesus Christ, uh, received him as your Savior, and you're saying he's the leader of your life, as a self-proclaimed person of God who's being led by God, if you are not connected to the word of God, you will find yourself functionally disconnected from God. And so keep that, you could say that initial yes to Jesus, A daily yes to Jesus by being daily engaged by being daily in his word and so just getting real practical as to how that could look here's I guess uh, how it's looked for me of late and this might be helpful to you as well Um, I've done several Bible reading plans over the years that are often tied to some type of calendar where you're supposed to read, you know, X number of chapters a day. Uh, But honestly, inevitably, I'll be reading through those, you know, predetermined chapters that are for that predetermined date. And I'll come across something or really uh, something will come across me. I'll kind of hit up against something in scripture. or It'll hit me like upside the head almost uh, that I feel this sense that I want to stop and see what God has to say to me in that moment. But there's Almost this like weird kind of predict like productive productivity pressure to kind of get through the quantity of what is being required by this little reading plan that I've you know subjected myself to. And really, I think miss out on the quality of what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell me right there in that moment. And I think that can happen with Bible reading plans. We have this quantity that we've got to get through, and there's this quality of Holy Spirit ordained moment that God wants to say wherever he has you rather than what your plan has you in. And so, honestly, for the last couple of years, it's been very liberating in that I still use, you could say, a plan to read through the Bible as far as like what I'm going to do, but as far as when I'm going to do it, forget about it. Done. I don't worry about the calendar at all. I just, honestly, I just read until I feel like the Holy Spirit stops me, and then I stop. Um, It could be a few chapters, it could be just a few verses, because I realize it's, it's really not about Quantity—it's not about um, you know getting as much in as I can. It's really about the quality of what God wants to do in my life through whatever He's leading me in my reading for that day. It's about, as it says in the what was revealed in the spiritual life survey. It's about reflection. On scripture. In fact, they even had Bible reading as another spiritual practice that actually fell lower. It's really about meditating, dwelling on, really being connected to Jesus through the word of Jesus. It's about reflection on Scripture, as it says in the book of James, like that scripture reflects back onto ourselves like a mirror, what it is that God wants us to see in ourselves as He is working in us and through us. And so. If you want to stay connected to Jesus on a daily level, not just at an initial level, then remain in the word of God to remain connected to God by being connected daily to his word. Because that's why we're here. We're here to connect to Jesus so that out of the overflow of that, we are connecting others to Jesus as he leads us. Okay, And so we decide on Jesus, we connect to Jesus through his word. And then from there, we don't just, you could say, connect to God's word um, by just reading his word. But then from there, thirdly, we connect to God's word by obeying God's word. That we are to obey God's word. Our passage, our teaching from Jesus, it goes on to say in verse uh, 10 and 11, Jesus says that if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. If you obey my word, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Again, back in James, it's, it warns when it comes to the word of God, it says that we should not be mere hearers of the word. But we need to be, he says, doers of the word of God. Not just hearers, but doers. Not just readers, but doers. That in order to really live out uh, what we have in God's word, we need to obey God's word. And so when you read God's word and you know, the Holy Spirit kind of puts a speed bump in your reading or maybe you hit up against something or like me, it hits me upside the head. Uh, you, you ask the question, okay, what is God's word saying here? And not just what is it saying here, but more than that, what is it telling me to do here? What is it telling me to do? Because here's the thing, when it comes to really obedience, you could say, um, and this is kind of tough because I think when it comes to obedience, we get a little thrown off here because when I first hear that word, it almost feels, I don't know, kind of punitive, kind of like, uh, you know, you're you, you better or else. It's kind of like, it's obedience, like shape up or ship out. But you need to know that is not the heart of God in his word, whether we read it or then obey it. It is not about pursuing uh, things that are in some way gonna be drab, that as we pursue God's commands and his righteousness, his right way of living and, and avoiding sin, it's not this like, kind of like drug out obedience designed to like squelch all our fun. No, when you obey the word of God, Jesus says when you obey Me, when you obey my words, when you obey my commands. Don't miss what it says there in verse 11. It's so that, what's it say? My joy may be in you. That my joy may be in you. And that with that, that you might become complete in my joy. That my joy will make you complete. Your joy may be complete in obedience. You fully experience the joy and the goodness and all that God has for you ironically, in obedience. That it's not to squelch you, but it's to really liberate you because what God has for you really is. It's about, it really just comes down to, do you really believe? Do you really believe that God's word actually lays out the best way of life? Do you fully put your faith in through obedience, through following, that what he has laid out here is not a good idea um, but is, is good news, is, a, is, is the goodness of God the best way of life that he has for you? At the end of the day, do you trust him? Do you, do you believe what it says in Galatians 5, for example? Do you believe that the, the fruit, the overflow of the spirit, the overflow of being connected to the vine that is Jesus, as it says in Galatians 5, do you believe that love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, that these kind of attributes, do you believe that those are really the best way uh, to go about life? Or how about uh, where scripture calls us to pursue purity? As it says in Ephesians 5, it says, uh, do everything you can to avoid even a hint of sexual impurity. Uh, Do whatever you can to avoid letting that into your eyes, letting that into your life. Do you believe that that approach, that not just avoiding impurity, but pursuing purity actually is the best kind of life that you could live? Do you believe that is God's best for you? Or then it comes to, you could say, trusting God to provide everything we need that we, you could say, demonstrate that trust in obedience to him by returning to him a tenth of what he's commanded us to return to him that first came from him in the first place. Um, And I would argue uh, when it's hard, uh, or actually I would say scripture argues uh, that even when it's difficult, Um, that the Word of God shows us that, even especially when it's difficult, that believing that 100% of everything that we have does in fact come from the giver of good gifts, as it says also in James. I probably should do a sermon on James. Uh, That every good and perfect gift comes from the Father in heaven. That when we believe that 100% of everything that has been given to us has been given to us by God, that in faith and obedience, we then return the very first 10% of that 100% back to God we return the tithe or literally means a tenth. And then from there really growing in our generosity and all kinds of fun opportunities both inside and outside the church because we believe as Jesus says it is actually better to give than to receive. That's what we actually believe is the best way to approach the life he's leading us in. Or how about in our times right now? We would say for our country as we look at our relationships together as it relates to race, uh, we all see there's hurt, there's pain, there's confusion, uh, and there's all kinds of room for misunderstanding that the wisdom of God's word applies across it all, that the wisdom, that the obedience being requested of us from the prophet Micah, that we would, as it says, it says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. He has shown you what it is that the Lord requires of you, and that is to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And so when it comes to our national relationships, or even when you think about even our interpersonal relationships uh, with our spouses or our kids or our coworkers or our neighbors, what better prayer, what better truth can we be praying and asking God for than the words of the prayer that Jesus taught uh, his original disciples first, and that we have now received in His teaching. That when we say, "Lord, forgive us our debts, forgive us uh, our sins, forgive us our trespasses," uh, as we are, you know, washed whiter than snow, then out of the overflow of all the forgiveness You've given us, we then to God help us to forgive and be forgiven of our earthly debtors. Forgive us our debtors. Forgive us uh, our trespasses and our sins against. One another. That the kind of life that embraces and pursues and seeks out forgiveness and reconciliation and the peace that God brings in that. I honestly don't see how there could be a better life than these things. And it's all a life that the Lord Jesus, He wants to give you, He wants to give me, that when we, as it says again in verse 10, that when we keep His commands, I love this which keeps you in my love, essentially, AKA, I'm I'm gonna keep you inside of that best that I have for you, my loving best for you because I love you when you keep my commands. When we decide on Jesus, when we remain in his word, and then when we choose obedience to his word, that this is the life and life to the full, John 10, 10, that Jesus wants for you and for me and for the world. And then from there, lastly, and really almost with this irony, arguably, uh, because it's the most, you could say the most powerful uh, aspect of this kind of life, of being connected to the vine, yet um, the irony is that the best way of life that Jesus has for us, most importantly I think that we often miss, is that it often includes the most difficult moments of life. But the best way of life also includes the most difficult moments of life. That in this life, if we're going to remain connected to the vine, we must also with that receive the Father's pruning. We must receive the Father's pruning. Back in verse 2, he says, every branch, get this, that does bear fruit, that is bearing fruit, that's doing well, he says, he prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. You catch that? Every branch that does bear fruit, that's connected to the vine, recognize in order to be more fruitful, he will prune us pruning, you know, like in the literal sense, um, like in a gardening sense. Well, as best I could tell, according to the first thing that popped up when I, uh, Googled it, uh, in like a horticulture website, uh, is, is essentially this. It is the removal, uh, or the cutting of parts of a plant such as branches, buds, or roots in order to improve the overall health and quality of the plant, flowers or fruit or foliage. And so I guess you could say, and so it is in that a life that remains connected to Jesus, a life that is connected to Jesus and then used to connect others to Jesus, our why on the planet, how often the Father will use pruning through circumstances, through trials, through difficulties, through hardships, that as it says in Hebrews 12, that it says none of which is pleasant at the time. It's actually painful, but later on, Hebrews goes on to say, produces a harvest of righteousness and a harvest of peace for those who have been trained up in it, who have been pruned. And so for me, some pruning that's happened in my life as actually as I've aged, a little trial I faced, if you will, it's not a real trial, just kind of a sort of trial. It's actually kind of gross, but um, we're getting real here, is that I'm at this new stage of life where you could say springing forth from my life, almost serendipitous really to our passage, uh, is what seemed to be these Little vines and branches uh, sprouting from my little ears. Yes, I am advanced in years enough to actually have unwanted ear hair. Yes, little hairs that grow out of my ear. And so I'm guessing perhaps it's some like evolutionary adaptation, having grown up in South Carolina, that my body has adapted to the frigid winters of Illinois with some sort of like El Natrial like earmuff thing or something. I don't know. Anyway, and so. How this works for me is I'll be sitting on the couch next to my wife Jessica and seemingly out of nowhere, like this kung-fu-like karate move, uh, it's a move I call the thumbnail and forefinger grab, uh, she will just literally rip those little babies out like, like three or four at a time, my precious little ear hairs. And I squeal like a little girl and then I tend from there to shout her name in vain, Jessica, because it hurts. It hurts. It hurts to have my little ear hairs pruned at the root. But in the end, Jessica's pruning does produce, I must admit, a harvest, a, an ear landscape that, that is preferred uh, to, you could say, maybe the natural wild reserve I might otherwise tend to leave undisturbed and in its natural habitat. OK, so um, now that everyone has now completely lost their appetite for dinner or lunch or whatever's coming next, uh, recognize that the power of receiving the Father's pruning in our life, that as, as hard as it really is ex- to explain the pain of it and yet the fruit of it, the goodness of it, um, that I know, for those of you who've walked through it, it's hard to put into words, But at the same time, it's like perfectly understood by those of you who have experienced it, that I've heard it said one way or a million different ways that those of you who have walked through those difficult moments of your life, that as like the 23rd Psalm says, uh, the the darkest valleys, the valley of the shadow of death, that when that difficulty, when uh, it comes in your life, whether it was an instrument of evil, a tool of the devil, as it says in John 10, to steal, kill, and destroy, whether it's maybe it's a result of your own poor choices, maybe your own sinful choices, Uh, or perhaps even just a trial that the Lord himself actually orchestrates as ultimately a pathway to lead you back onto himself, to reconnect you to him, the vine. You've probably described that pain um, to something to the effect of as something like, quote, you would never, ever want to go through again. But you've said at the same time, I would never trade it for anything because of what God taught me in it. I wouldn't trade that for anything. As one Bible commentator puts it, he says, Our heavenly Father is hungry for fruit from his vine. And in order to produce it, often in his pruning, we'll cut deeper than we would ever have chosen ourselves. But that's how the pruning so often works. So as I think about this and how this is played out in a more, you know, legitimate sense in my ear hair. Um, I would argue that probably the greatest piece of wisdom I have ever received uh, came from Pastor Wayne, actually, when I first came on staff at the ripe old age of 23. I was going through what I uh, affectionately refer back to as my quarter life crisis, uh, which I can do that. I can make jokes about it now, but it didn't seem joking at the time. It was, it was a tough time. But it was a crisis that ultimately I, looking back, saw that it was God pruning me. He was pruning me, and it was difficult and it was challenging. Um, but I remember what Pastor Wayne said in the middle of that when it come to, really came to this pruning idea. He said, Brian, whatever you do, he said, do not miss what God is teaching you in this do not miss what god is teaching you in this. And so for you when it comes to a trial, a difficulty, uh, a temptation, uh, whatever it is that's that's coming your way, i would encourage you in that same wisdom that as you think about and see how god might want to prune you in this, what does god want to do inside of you rather than resist, i would encourage you to receive the father's pruning and not miss Do not miss what God wants to teach you in the midst of it. And so as we consider this and we consider the word of God and we think about, okay, big part of this is how do we live this out? How do we go and not just be hearers, but doers of the word of God? Uh, Each week we've been giving you, uh, you could say like a live it challenge, like how are you going to live this out the upcoming week? And so as we looked at God's word, it's really, I'm going to say today, it's kind of like a two-part live it. That first We have to self-identify which one of these four points do we need to apply to our life this week? Do we need to make that first most important connection? Do we need to, number one, do we need to decide on Jesus uh, maybe for the first time or maybe as a recommitment? Uh, If you know the story of the prodigal son who returns back to him, maybe you need to make that initial first step and then go from there. Maybe for you, you recognize that you have a drift. You know, no one drifts intentionally. Drifts, you kind of, it's like driftwood. It's just all of a sudden you look back and, oh, look, look, look where you've gone to. Maybe you've drifted away from being connected to the vine on a functional, regular level. And you need to remain in God's word and you need to start some sort of reading plan, not focused on, you know, when and calendar, but just what, like get into God's word on a daily, regular basis. And then out of the overflow of that, maybe you would say you already, you already know what God's word says on something, And you recognize it's that third point. You need to obey. You just need to do what you already know you should be doing. And you need to step out into that something that you already know you need to do. You need to trust that it really is the joy and the best life that God has for you to obey his word. And you need to obey God's word. Or maybe for you, you're in a difficult season. And it's that fourth point that you need to recognize that this is the Father's opportunity to teach you, to prune you, to you, you could say to not miss, to focus on not missing what God wants to reveal to you, to teach you. And then from there, as kind of a practical illustration to really keep this for us this week, I would invite you to go out, I don't know where, in the backyard or whatever, and I would say clip off like a branch of some kind and disconnect it from its life source and put it somewhere where you will see it throughout the next week or two, where you will see it brown and wither and fade. And let this be a reminder Mine's still green because I just plucked it, so we'll see how it looks over the next couple of weeks. But get yours and put it somewhere where you can see it as really kind of like an, it's like an anti-example. It's like, this is what you don't want to become as you see it wither and fade and brown uh, as an encouragement to keep your connection to the vine, keep your connection to the Lord. And so that's our live it this week, that you would live it out this week, that you'd clip off a branch, uh, put it where you'll be reminded of your commitment to Jesus. And then from there, really just decide on Jesus, Do you need to remain in God's word? Do you need to obey God's word? Or are you in a season where you need to receive the Father's pruning and not miss what he has for you? And so to that end, let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, we are thankful. We are thankful for your word That came in the flesh and then every word of him who came in the flesh of Jesus is is really here for us, both in your written word and then by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. We open ourselves up to where it is you are calling us to live out, uh, to do what you've called us to do as according to your word. And so would you reveal to us which of these things and how this uh, needs to play out for us by your Holy Spirit? We want to trust your leading and follow that uh, in obedience. Uh, And then, Father, from there, may we not just be connected to you for the sake of being connected to you and then that be the end of it. But coming back to that why, that within the context of John, that you have called us to a mission, that in our connection to Jesus, as it says here, so that the world may know, whether that world is our coworker, our neighbor, uh, extended family, friends, people we don't like, who knows, whoever you have for us, God, may we remain connected to you so that We might be an example, a light to connect others to you, the vine, both in this life and for all of eternity. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.